Hello, this is episode 317 of the Purple Psychology Podcast. I'm Nisha Riley. So I've avoided doing this for slightly over a year now. I did record a podcast on COVID last year after I had it and I spoke about the overwhelm at the time because I was during it. And sometimes I record podcasts when I feel really vulnerable because I think it's really important when you enter those spaces when you don't normally live in them to actually present them to other people so that they kind of know, oh, she goes there too and that's how she manages it and comes out the other side. Because there's a kind of uh, an awareness and objectivity because you don't normally inhabit that space. So you can kind of feel your way through the difference. So I'm going to put every disclaimer in, in the description. I might have a doctorate, but I don't have a medical doctorate. I joke often that I probably have a better understanding of my thyroid condition than the doctor I attend. And that's because I was fortunate enough to be educated on the condition by a very amazing man called Professor Austin Darrow, who passed away a number of years ago. Now it's about six years ago since he passed away. And he just had an extraordinary understanding. He has 60 years of research and he had even set up a sleep laboratory And it's interesting, navigating COVID, I have managed to do so because of his insight. And there's even a book on my shelf written by him, um, signed to me, that I'm, I'm exceedingly grateful for. But I am not a medical doctor. And so anything I say here in relation to recovering from COVID is just due to personal experience. It's personal opinion. And don't take it over medical advice. But I've been looking for an analogy to try to explain to people how to get over COVID because I'm in one of those bizarre places that I have had it so many times at this stage. I've actually lost count. I've had every variant and I know when the variants change because I'm kind of like, oh, this has a dash of that one and a dish of this one, you know, and, you know, (laughs) the sprinkling of the one from, from last year. This is really interesting. And I have found the things to help me build up from it and I have found a way to get over it very very quickly and I have also found a way to navigate it so that I don't give it to other people to understand when I'm really contagious and what I can and cannot do during those times. So I'm actually, even though I've had it so many times, I've managed to not pass it on to any of my vulnerable friends, which I think is, you know, pretty amazing given how many times I've had the condition. And I've also managed to get my fitness back each time and to kind of rebuild myself. Well, basically, I have a thyroid condition. I've never had a particularly good immune system. I actually realize just how well I navigate the world with it (laughs) through what I've experienced in the pandemic, because I really don't get sick that often. But I have not managed to find the magic ingredient yet, which means I don't get this. I have found the magic ingredients that means I get over it fast. It kind of, I I found that taking really high doses of selenium does give me more immunity, but it comes at a cost of my thyroid basically hanging out of my neck and being really swollen. So it's a bit of a a balancing act at the moment. And I really wish that Professor Austin Darrow was with us because I think if anyone could really help to navigate this, it would be him. Obviously, taking really high dosages of vitamin D and of zinc has helped me and I think one of the reasons that I have gone in again recently is not just because we're going through a difficult spiral which I'm going to talk about in a minute 
but I had actually cut back on my vitamin D and zinc spray. I use a pump spray, which I find much more successful than taking tablets. It's actually a vegan one because I have a predominantly vegan diet. And so it has iron in it as well. Because an extraordinary amount of our vitamin D actually comes from what we eat rather than from the sun, especially in Ireland. We actually measure vitamin D in Ireland at 50% less than we would measure it in other parts of the world. So our scale of vitamin D is only out of 50 rather than out of 100. And the weather hasn't been as good as it should be. I think I expected it to be slightly better and I cut back on it maybe two or three weeks ago. Just, I suppose partly probably is a bit of an experiment, which I realised was not a good idea. So I bought the dose again. So it is, it's about, it's about those sort of ebbs and flows. But I've been looking for a way to try to bring this to people as to how you maybe have the mindset to get over this. And quite frankly, it's not a condition you wallow in. Dealing with COVID is a bit like having good skin. If you want to have good skin, you eat really healthily. You find ways to keep your skin really clean that work for you. That's T3 for me. You find whatever hydrating products work for you. You keep yourself really clean. You don't sleep on greasy bed clothes. And you're conscious of what foods suit you to keep yourself healthy and looking well. And COVID is exactly the same. It matters what you put into your body. It especially matters when you're sick, what you do. It matters how clean your environment is, and it matters how much you clean yourself. So the one thing that has not been spoken about for this entire pandemic, which fascinates me, is viral load. And basically how sick you get depends on how much viral load you have. How quickly you get better depends on how much you reduce the viral load, both in your system and in your surroundings. How much you contaminate everybody else depends on those factors as well. And the point when you're actually most contagious is the 24 hours before you don't think you have symptoms. That's when the viral load is highest in your body. And then for the next 24 hours. So there's a 48-hour window when it really matters what you do. And for me, those first 24 hours, I actually do know when I have it in my system because I feel really irritable. And because I'm normally a very kind of calm, easygoing sort of person and things don't get in on me and they sort of roll over me. When I start to feel slightly maxed out and everything feels too much of a stretch for me and my neighbor's dogs are really getting in on me, I kind of sort of sit there and I think, I have it again because I have that stress in my body that I don't normally have. And if I can manage to catch it at that point, I can actually manage to, to not develop it any further. And it matters at that stage that I don't subject myself to another viral load. I always find that my immunity is slightly reduced around the time that I'm due my period. I'm very conscious of that. I'm very conscious of the environments I go to with that. The two situations that I've always caught it in are toilets, which we're not talking about at all. And I still always wear a mask into a toilet at the moment. And in fact, I try to use toilets that have some ventilation. It's not to the point in my locality I know which toilets I can use. So if you walk into a toilet and it has a really awful smell in it, if you've got another option, walk back out the door and go somewhere else. 
I really wish we'd start talking about toilets. And also, if I spend a prolonged period of time in other people's company in a space that's not ventilated. Once your masks are off and there's not a huge amount of ventilation around you, and then given how sick they are, how much of a viral load they have, how much you've exposed yourself in other circumstances, like I still think that shopping centres are really high exposure. So that's the other one that I balance out and I don't go to. I try not to stack it up. And I also try to leave a period of time between seeing friends, vulnerable friends in particular, between sort of seven to ten days. So if I hang out with somebody a lot, I won't hang out with someone else, especially in a, in a, like a home environment space where I'm cooking for them. I won't do that for another week. And when I actually have it, and there's that 24-hour window where I realize I'm really irritable, one of the things I find that really helps me is olive leaf extract. And it's a bit like taking polyjuice potion. And if you're sick, it tastes even more disgusting. One of the ways that you know that you don't need it anymore is because it no longer tastes completely vile. If you really struggle to take it, you can take it in a small amount of hot water. That's one of the, the sort of tricks I find around taking it. But I have found that it's particularly good for getting rid of this viral infection. It's particularly good if you've had it and you're struggling to, to get over it and to get over the last sort of lingering sort of 10 or 20% of a virus in your system. It's also really good for managing um, heart problems and diabetes. And I have really found that my sugar levels at times have been really set off by the virus. And different strains do different things. And this is what's quite fascinating for me. So, so some of the variants I've noticed that I've really had to watch my sugar intake. And I've had to sort of become very conscious of that. Some of the variants I've realized that there's a massive inflammation with. And so I will take a lot of detox juices. There's a lot of them recommended on, on Instagram. The one that I tend to use has got celery, cucumber, ginger, lemon, and spinach in it. Well, whatever works for you. This week, I kind of felt that the one, the, 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 the variant was very kind of science based. And so I take a lot of turmeric, ginger, orange, and carrot. I took a different type of anti-inflammation juice. It was a more of a kind of an immune boost tonic as well, but some sort of anti-inflammation. And one of the things that people find after they've had COVID is that they're still struggling to maybe get their fitness back. And they are finding that their body is sore and bruised and maybe that your clothes don't fit you very well. And one of the things that I have found people really need at that point is magnesium. What I was recommended before by Professor Austin Darrow was up to 300 milligrams of magnesium a day. But for many of the variants, like the Delta variant, the last, I think it's called Omicron, is it variant? That one that, that, that we were on, there was a lot of cognitive stress and overwhelming difficulties. And I, and I recorded a podcast around that, about the COVID overwhelm. And I'm starting to see this a lot in people again. I'm starting to see the kind of, stress that people are developing and also if you're predisposed to any sort of literacy issues and this is another one that I'm mean, kind of reluctant to say but COVID makes your dyslexia worse it makes you more dyslexic I've had a lot of problems with my eyes it's made my visual stress much worse it's made my eyes very sensitive and sore it's made my processing and my sequencing ability just more challenging to know the order to do things. And I've actually seen that impact in my father as well, who also has dyslexia. I've inherited it from him. You know, there's, there is a whole cognitive 
impact. And one of the things I find is most important is to take a vitamin B complex then. And you can take a vitamin B complex with a magabsorb and have both combined, which can really help with that. Or if you aren't struggling as much cognitively, but you're just struggling with the kind of inflammation and bruising in your body, and you just feel kind of stressed and overwhelmed and your sleep patterns are out of whack, you can take a type of magnesium sleep and nighttime magnesium that sort of usually contains things like chamomile and lemon balm in it. And that works incredibly well because it helps to, to regenerate your body when you're asleep and to help your body to rest, but also to help you to expel the inflammation. So there's, there's a sense that while you're going through this, you, you need to do things. You need to have simple foods that will reduce the inflammation. You need to get up every day and clean your space and to clean yourself and to have a shower. You need to change your bedclothes, your towels, your pajamas, all those things. They all have to continually go in the wash. You have to clean down all the surfaces. You must ventilate your space and get air through your space, especially your sleeping space where you're sick. It's absolutely vital. You can't just lie there and wallow. It's really important that you reduce the virus in your environment and that you reduce it in yourself. One of the other ways you can do this is also to gargle salt so that you get rid of the, the virus around your mouth. It particularly likes to congregate around your tongue and that kind of area and also in your nasal passages. So I'm being a big fan since the beginning of steaming your head or in using a sinus washout kit. But it's really important that you reduce all of that virus in your body and in your surroundings. And the quicker you do that, the quicker you get better and the quicker you don't contaminate other people. And after that, there's a sense of building your body up and realizing the foods that taste nice to you and that you're drawn to. So for me, I've always been drawn to a lot of lemon and garlic afterwards. And I think there's a really obvious reason for that. Um, ginger is another one they've been really drawn to, which reduces, it's amazing, along with turmeric, to reduce inflammation. And so even if you made yourself one smoothie a day to reduce the inflammation in your body and to give you the vitamins back that you need, at one point during it when I was very, very sick that time last year, I ended up taking a lot of vitamin C because I was still really, really fatigued about two months later. And what I found was that when I went and did exercise, it would just, it would, I felt really fatigued and almost like as if I was constantly getting a sore throat again and getting sick again. And one of the things that the local health shop recommended to me was taking really high doses of vitamin C. And I literally took it every two hours for the first two days. And then I gradually reduced it to twice a day and once a day then. And that made a massive impact. And unfortunately, if you have used up all the vitamin C in your system, it doesn't matter how much vitamin D or zinc or magnesium or iron or other things that you're taking, you won't actually absorb them. So if you have got a lot of fatigue a couple of weeks after this, one of the most likely factors in that is that you've actually lost a lot of vitamin C in battling the infection. It's really important to build up your exercise levels again. And I'm still slightly breathless at the moment because I've had another couple of rounds of this and it does always hit off my chest. And when I was really bad last year, I did end up doing exercises blowing up balloons. I've done a lot of box breathing exercises and I gradually built myself up by using a trampoline. It's really important 
And this has kind of been annoying me with my, with my exercise stats because they kind of look grim, even though I've done quite a lot of exercise. Because what I do is I do a step up where I do slightly more exercise for three days in a row, where I increase it each day how much exercise I do, and then I do a rest day. And gradually over time, I suggest, I've stretched that to being four and five days where I do step up exercise, but I have a rest day. And that that's really important. Like I think one of the things that I learned from Professor Austin Dara, particularly with my thyroid condition, and actually recovering from COVID because it's an inflammation condition and a, a sort of it has some so much of the same symptoms. It's very similar, and there is a real balance, a real trade-off between the exercise that you do, but also the rest that you give your body. And that's, again, one of the reasons why magnesium and anti-inflammation is so important in this, because doing exercise, yes, it does help to, to reduce inflammation in your body but when your body is put under stress it also creates inflammation and so there's a real balancing act so it really matters for you to listen to your body and gradually step up exercise but to factor in rest as well and that you know two years into that I'm still navigating that and I'm still having to navigate that I'm trying to think if there's anything I've left out I have had to factor in when I was really sick at different times. I've had I've had three really bad bouts of this, where I, I've, ex, I've 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 been exposed to a huge viral load of it, and and in those cases I have had to factor having time to crash out in the afternoons for a period of time before going back to work. And again, it is better to do that than to keep pushing and pushing and pushing yourself because I think. With this, it's very easy to develop chronic fatigue. And I think a lot of the people who are suffering long-term COVID have not taken care of their body and maybe not had the knowledge base to understand what different vitamins, what, what roles they play for them. Not understanding the inflammation, but also not understanding rest and not understanding the whole process of stress on your body and correcting your sleep cycles. I talk an extraordinary amount about sleep cycles with different with practically every student I work with. It's a it's a huge part of our our well-being that we don't realize. Oh yes. For women, I have noticed with, with certain strains of the, 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 the virus. Um, I noticed it last year with the Delta variant, and I'm noticing it again with the current variant, and I noticed it with the booster jab. And that is that there is a huge impact on your menstrual cycle becoming much heavier and slightly more prolonged. And that's another reason why having a vitamin B complex is really good for you. It really helps. There is a complete hormone imbalance as well within the virus in getting over it afterwards. And yes, that was the other part that I hadn't spoken about and why, why I was drawn to speak about this. There is a massive amount of mood swings in that as well. And different people have reacted in different ways. Some people will be quite aggressive and quite irritable. And other people will be really weepy and really emotional. And I have really not had very much of that. And one of the reasons for it is because cacao and maca is a huge part of my diet. And I will include in the link, I'll, I'll include a link to the Cacao Ambassador. I'm very fortunate in that I managed to take a very, very high level of product. One of, I suppose, one of the supports in my world is, is through the Cacao Ambassador, which I'm incredibly grateful for. But 
I've, I've not, I have seen a huge amount of mood swings with people and a, a huge level of depression. And it's an interesting type of space. It's a bit like I know that there's a cognitive overwhelm and when I recorded that podcast. And I, I see that for certain people, they really cognitively really struggle to do tasks. And some of it, you can end up feeling um, quite hard on yourself, that you're not functioning and you're not coping. But there's another side to it, I've noticed particularly with women, where there's a sort of a, a comparison space that people go into. And they start to, to have more of a sort of a voice in their head of not feeling good enough and just sinking out and feeling very isolated and very vulnerable in this. And I think some of that is, it's, it's the sort of impacts you would expect to see in people who have had sleep deprivation or a lot of isolation and vulnerability from other people or that they felt bullied or there's a lot of a lot of the same emotions I'm seeing in a lot of the trauma that I would work with in teenagers who have gone through experiences and it's left a sort of a chain reaction of events that's taken place for a number of years but this is coming about very quickly after being sick for sort of two weeks and I'm finding that people are finding it very hard to check back in so I I and I've, I've ended up recommending cacao and maca to a lot of people to readdress that and rebalance it. I do find that all the rest of it to do with feeling better and getting more energy and reducing the inflammation and not being sore in your body and the vitamin B in terms of your hormone imbalance and also the cognitive aspects. I feel that when all of those things slot into place and your sleep patterns slot into place and your ability to cook better food for yourself so I think that's one of the reasons why it's really good to lean towards smoothies and fruit and simple food with this because there's a lot of simple ways to have a very good diet that doesn't require very much effort basically you know you're not you're not going to cook amazing meals during this there was whole periods of last year where I didn't cook for anybody and I didn't feel like it but all of that, once it's addressed, a bit like a, a good self-care package, a lot of the, those feelings of not being worthy and good enough tend to evaporate in all of that as well. But there, there is definitely an aspect of overwhelm, which I think we're putting down to anxiety. When I don't, I don't, it doesn't feel the same to me. It's, it's not like panic attack anxiety. It's actually overwhelm anxiety there's an overwhelm on the body and there's an overwhelm cognitively to be able to accurately do tasks but similarly there's a real slump and a real hormonal imbalance especially for women with this on the tail end of it and I guess if you don't know the right things to do or the right things to take or to recognize that it's lots of little bits that are adding up together to get to this sort of, you know, black space that you're in and you don't start to correct that, I do worry that people are going to stay there. So I think that's why I've been drawn to, to sort of record a podcast again about this almost a year later. But again, all of what I have said here is not to be taken as medical advice or in place of medical advice. 
I've just been fortunate through my life that I have worked with a few doctors, a few different people, all of which have retired or passed away at this point, who I suppose were a bit like myself in that they imparted the knowledge to me to take care of myself rather than to be continually needed. And there is a lot in COVID that's incredibly similar to different things that I've navigated in my life. Because I've had pleurisy as a child when I was 16, I um, and a lot of the, the pains around your chest are very similar to that. And a lot of using simple things like heat packs and Vicks can really help and muscle relaxants. There is a part of it that's very similar to chronic fatigue, which I've had twice when my thyroid wasn't treated and a whole spiral of events started for me and just the pressures of society and there's a part of me that I've always had to try to improve my immune system and I always try to do this for a lot of the people with dyslexia that I work with because what people don't realize is that dyslexia is in the autoimmune branch of the DNA strand and so to a certain degree it is an autoimmune condition and so we make assumptions that a lot of people with dyslexia are sick for exams because they're stressed and yes, there's an aspect that we can't take the stress in our body and we're always under more pressure and more stress than other students, but you have to learn how to navigate that, whatever works for you in, in this. And so I guess all those parts for me have come together and the fact that I've just been unfortunate that I, I have to be far more conscious about what I can do. And what I am seeing in the current pattern at the moment is that for a variety of reasons, um, particularly in Europe, there are a huge influx of people who are not vaccinated. I predicted that this would possibly be an issue for us. And because of that, the viral load is greater. And as a result of the viral load being greater, it means that I need to pick and choose and space out what I can do a little bit more than maybe I have been. But there is also, I think, a sense that's really important for people that you only have immunity here when you are exposed a certain amount because your body remembers it. So it's not good for people to be completely cocooned. And so I'm balancing this with my parents. I think they need to spend a certain amount of time out. Also, they need to spend time out because the world has reopened and mentally it is not a good space to be withdrawn from everybody else while everyone else has moved on. It's a different dynamic to when we were all locked down. And it's also very, I, I see, for me, the vaccine hasn't worked brilliantly, but I do see that the level of sickness is reduced for people depending on the levels of boosters that they've had. And again, basically what you're doing is reducing the viral load in your body. And the less viral load you have, the less sick you are, and the less you pass it on to other people. So it's a bit of sort of a cauldron of ingredients right now. Um, in Europe, as people move around and we just navigate that all again. And you just sort of learn what's a high-risk environment for you and what isn't. But you don't wallow in it and you sort of think okay I don't feel great I need to do x you know I need to do x y and z here I need to get myself back on my feet I need to play through this and as I said the best comparison I can give you to that is is is, is like having good skin you have to take care of yourself you don't just sort of think oh my skin looks dreadful I just won't bother you have to be proactive a lot of this is about mindset